This is Poured Over, a show about stories presented by the booksellers of Barnes & Noble. I'm Jenna Siri, a bookseller and the associate producer of Poured Over, and today I am joined by the incredible, hilarious, wonderful Maria Bamford. You probably know her from her many, many stand-up specials, from her Netflix show, Lady Dynamite. Fewer of you, but still some of you, will know her as being the formative voice of my teen years, and I promise I'm doing okay. So, Maria, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on on your, uh, I believe it's a podcast or a video blog. Am I getting too close to the... No, that's a perfect distance right Is this good? Perfect. (laughs) So, you're here to talk about your memoir. This is an incredible story. It's called Sure, I'll Join Your Cult, which is, I think, something that a lot of us have said or felt. And I've read this. Most of our readers will probably be picking it up soon. But I think I'm going to ask the question to start that everyone is going to be asking, uh, are you are you okay? Are you good? I mean, I, I hope so. I would like to find a new psychiatrist, my current psychiatrist, who is on my insurance. Sometimes he gets my name wrong on the prescription. Mm. And I, I ask CVS, why do you let me take this home? Because it's not the right name. But they said because it's the right birth date. It's okay with them, man. So So you're picking up meds for like Marvin Binford or? Yeah, I don't know. It's the time that happened, it was like something really wrong, like Shelly Corvin or something. And I was like, hey, okay. And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. I'm like, hmm, Hmm. all right. (laughs) And you find out that you've just been taking like Lipitor every day (laughs) instead. And it explains some things. No, I, uh, I I know my meds look like, so they're good. I mean, at least that's what I think. Oh my God, maybe they could be feeding me with something completely different. Uh, Oh, well. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I mean, that's a separate, that's not a today problem. That's right. It is not. Let's just live in this moment. Breathe through our nose, cool through the nostrils, warm through the mouth. Perfect. Oh, boy. (laughs) So I think the next logical question is you've been doing the entertainment industry thing for many moons. This is you've had an incredible career. So what made you say now I'm ready to write the book? They offered me $150,000. Now, listen, did you know? How it works, though? I didn't read the contract. So so when you signed it and said, I'll write the book, you were surprised when they said, okay, now where's the book? What happens is they give you a little bit of the money. They give you a taste. Mm-hmm. Okay. A little taste. I gave the whole of that taste to an editor because I was so scared I didn't know how to write a book. And then the next time I got a, a little bit of money uh, was after, was four years later. After I had written the entire book and, and they said, yeah, you have written a book. Like it wasn't just me saying I had written a book. It was Simon Schuster saying, yeah, okay, this is a book. Right. They looked through and said, okay, the pages are here. These aren't crayon scribbles. This isn't just like gifts over and over pasted into a Word document. This is a book. Oh, and I tried. I I cut and pasted my entire IMDb listing into the the forward, but they they said that's not writing, Maria. 
right? You don't (laughs) own this. You can't put this in here. (laughs) Well, I have to say that having read the book, the real one that you compiled, it is such an incredible journey. I knew a little bit of some of the things from the different specials you've put out and the different, you know, following you on Instagram. There's some of that in there, but you really left no stone unturned here when it comes to what you put in this book. Was it so terribly daunting? Did it feel different than writing things you've written in the past? Yeah, because it's not for performance. So I, there wasn't any of the applause to keep me going or the laughs, the nihilism. I don't know. I love to read. And so one, when I, you know, I've read a lot of books. I've also skimmed a lot of books. And you're just wanting not to be offensive in how bad my book is. Like, just, you know, like just feeling some sense of responsibility, you know, which is ludicrous. It's just a book. It's okay. That that was the most difficult part, which is sort of getting past my own uh, embarrassment of also not knowing how, like not having been through the process before, uh, somehow thinking there was a way to do it properly. And anyways, turns out, there is no way. There is only do. Is that that was from Star Wars, right? I believe not sure. so. Yeah, Mandalorian, Baby Yoda. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> it seems to me that it would be a very different feeling because this book is you, and it is you put out there, sort of as yourself, versus any sort of like you said that performance aspect that is kind of you can hide behind. A mm-hmm. character, making yourself even into a character, you can sort of yes. hide behind that. But this yes. book is Maria Bamford original. Yeah, just saying uh, saying one after the other things. Yeah, and certain stories aren't don't <laughs> read very attractive. Yeah, things that you can say in a comedy club, or I have to simplify for a comedy club. Yeah, it's just different. And then you write with a lot of details or... Or saying what actually happened, because uh, comedy, I don't know if you know this, it's based in truth, but sometimes, yes, sometimes there is a, a bit of exaggeration. That's crazy. And, I never would have known. Well, but also believe all comics. Like if somebody talks about hating women on stage, they probably hate women. Uh, no joke. No joke. Yeah, I'm sure it will. Uh, I, I don't know. It will surprise it, what will surprise people or if anything will surprise people, I'm not sure. I think something that surprised me as I was reading, I'm relatively familiar with your career and you've gotten me through some of my deepest, darkest moments. But I think seeing this book really humanizes it into a portrayal of, I mean, I think we should say this book is a, a, a memoir about mental illness and it is about struggling through, overcoming, trying different things to get to many different places. And I think something that surprised me while I was reading it is that reassurance of, oh, even people who you think have it together don't. And that's okay. And we're all going to be okay. Yeah. Because one thing, and I think I write about this in the book, but like you'll read somebody's memoir and you'll be like, like they'll come to some place of like, and now everything's great. Or yeah, like now I know what I'm doing, and and I I I just never related with that. Um, I'd love to relate with that. I would love to, but yeah, I I just 
don't have that experience. And I also, I like being very honest about, and, and probably it's a compulsion as well, a compulsion to keep telling people everything. Because also getting that attention gives me help. <laughs> you know, Someone will come up and talk to me and go, oh my gosh, um, me and my spouse went to Gottman's or um, my husband and I, we both have mental, you know, things or, uh, you know, if you talk about it, the odds are greater that um, you might get somebody who's pleasant to you uh, about it. And I think to me, the whole, I went through all these things and now I know, and now I learned it, it never feels real. It never feels, I've, I literally don't know anyone who's ever had that experience. And so when I read things like that in a memoir, I'm like, so you're lying to me because I don't believe you. <laughs> well, and usually somebody comes up with a memoir a few years later saying, okay, <laughs> what is in the last thing? I don't know what I was talking about. Anywho, here's what the real thing is now. Right. <laughs> There's, they're always waiting for that next memoir. They got to have the hook for the next one. For the next, which I, I mean, I get it. I get it. Yeah, because I, I mean, that's also a thing, like, for stand-up, like, I'm older, I'm 50, I'll be 53, I've definitely had all, all my dreams come true, so no one really needs me to continue doing stand-up, like, my voice isn't necessary to the, the public space, uh, there's plenty of women with, with mental health, you know, blondes, older, you know, who who can spread the word. So, you know, there has to be some internal reason of why I want to keep performing. I guess what I'm trying to say, I mean, not in a bad way, but like I, now I, I would like to step, step away, you know, step down and let other, I mean, not, th not that I wasn't letting other people have spaces, but it's like, uh, yeah, there's so many more in interesting, specific um, experiences that are, um, it's a it's a golden age, I tell you. It certainly is. But I think that a book like this is so important in that so rarely do I think we come across portrayals of mental illness that feel relatable. I think it's something that's so over-dramatized and is often put out into media really insensitively. But this, because it is hilarious, because it has the, your personality, and because it has a very accessible tone, I think it really will help a lot of people feel seen and feel connected, even if they don't go through the exact things in this book that you have laid out for us. There is so many opportunities to be like, oh, okay, I get it. I am so glad uh, that is, is the case. That's my deepest hope is that anyone would feel I'm actually training to become a peer specialist for mental health. Uh, here in California, we have, there's new government funding for people to get 90 hours of training. Yeah, because I mean, I love comedy, but I don't think it's the best medicine. I don't think it's, I think right. med actual healthcare is the best medicine. <laughs> right. Sometimes the best medicine is medicine. Medicine. <laughs> But I, I mean, coming from like a Midwestern background, which I know you come from as well, that there's somehow there's a lot of that, like, go along to get along attitude and the like, it's okay to gossip about what's happening at the Lutheran church over a Diet Coke, but it's maybe not great to talk about your own sadnesses. 
and Mm -hmm. coming into adulthood and sort of finding those moments of connection with anything about mental health, I think is really going to be important for a lot of people, especially in younger generations. Yeah, I'm always surprised when somebody feels ashamed, but I was surprised when I felt ashamed, like, because I grew up, my mom was a therapist. Um, She trained to be a family therapist when we left home. And I was still really embarrassed when they told me, hey, you're seem to be bipolar, you need to be on mood stabilizers. I was like, hey, hey, n- not me. <laughs> like, like I was very defensive about it. So yeah, I, I love all the health models where it's like meet somebody where they're at, like ask what somebody needs and wants, what their heart's desire is rather than what you think they should need or want. And and sometimes, yeah, I mean, if if you're you're willing to do one um thing for your mental health and that is to go to a comedy club where I'm headlining well then please come (laughs) (laughs) you're like I'm not saying it's going to be the thing you need but you don't know that it's not until you try (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I don't know I mean just because I I mean I know I, I I do have money I do have access so it's like and I know how hard it is to just emotionally go oh I'm gonna make it a play as a therapist you know, do I deserve this? Is this, um, do I really need to talk to somebody? You know, all those thoughts that stop you up even before trying to ask. And then when you ask and there's, you know, a howling wind or a bunch of hoops to jump through. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot. And I think so much of the conversation is having really amazing shifts towards mental health and there are so many more resources than there have been and so many people being more much more open which allows that conversation to continue and to to sort of do away with the older stigmas of what it means to have OCD what it means to be bipolar all those things that the information just wasn't there in the past and it seems outlandish to say okay a comedy memoir is going to be the thing that might help you but I think for people who are on that cusp of, I don't know if I need to ask for help, seeing somebody else who did ask for help and having it really laid out for you, like, yes, there were good times and there were bad times and ups and downs. It sort of makes it a little bit easier to say, okay, and move forward. Well, that's, I, I hope, I hope somewhere someone finds this book on a remainders pile in a little free library. And it makes their day. I'm very excited about um, because some of the mental health issues that are still kind of taboo, schizophrenia, um, you know, borderline, although, you know, I mean, less so there's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was a great show about borderline and that hopefully all all kinds of people who need help, whether it's socially acceptable or because it seems like the more functional the person is in our accepted community that's who we celebrate and it's like well what is functional what is what is a meaningful life and all, all that stuff. I mean I don't know and, and unhousedness and all all the things anyways I don't, I'm now I'm just listing off injustices I'm sorry which we could do for seven to twelve <laughs> hours. hours yes forever yes do you think that this is a good entry point in your career for someone to like pick up this book if they have no idea who you are. Do you think this is a good exit point in your career for people to, you know, jump ship now? Yes. Yes. Either or. <laughs> All the things. 
rip out one page and post it somewhere. Take uh, take five pages, burn them in different parts of your home. Definitely use this book uh, in a decoupage or a, uh, what's the thing where you put it in glue and you make it into a dinosaur? Like a paper mache? Paper mache, people, I would be honored. Perfect. <laughs> I don't think I'll be doing that with mine, but right. I would support. Tag me on Instagram if you do. I'd love to see your crap. I would. <laughs> I would adore it. I always, as people will say, sometimes you know, because sometimes comedians sell merch, and I do sell merch, tote bags and t-shirts, <laughs> but only online. Um, but I always, always suggest to people make your own merch. Take a sock, put a you know piece of tape on it, and write comedy. Mm-hmm. I'll sign that. Perfect. <laughs> You're like, bring it. I don't care. It's going to be, it's, it's from the heart. Yeah. It's free. It's free. And you made it. How, how, how much, how much funnier is that? I think that's the thing. I mean, I think that's, isn't that always how it is in comedy? Like the, the funniest thing is the thing that shouldn't be funny. If <laughs> <laughs> you letting money sit on the table. Um, but that's also funny too. Well, thank you so much for your your support of my uh, my offering. Have you written a book? Not yet. Um, <laughs> today could be the day. You never know. I think that I wouldn't have. My favorite thing about this book is that you don't lose your tone when you write this. Like I could hear each and everything coming out of your mouth, and I'm. If people get the audiobook, they literally can hear each and everything yes. coming out of your mouth. But is it hard to balance that kind of writing where you have to, this is never for many people going to be listened to like so much of your other work. So you have to make sure that it really sounds like you. Oh, I, and this is going to sound terrible, but I, I did the best I could, but I, I don't know. At a certain point, I got so stressed out by this book that I uh, I definitely started to withdraw emotionally from the process. Sure. And so I'm, I don't even know. Uh, I'm glad that the tone stays the same. I think that the that's the result of the high uh, standards of Simon & Schuster, because I, I definitely did get notes from them, and uh, I followed through on them, but they were in a anxious daze. I mean, I will say that the tone works. It fits... I never fell out of the book being like, okay, now this is, you know, too funny, not funny enough. (laughs) Oh my God. That'd be so great if it was too funny. Definitely held me the entire way. And I felt very much like you've got so many other things going on in this book. There are charts, there are fonts, there are graphs, there are photos. So if people are concerned that they might, you know, get bored of just the words, there's more. There's more. Well, and May I ask you a question? Uh-huh. Were you weirded out by the numbers? Because that was the one thing. I wanted to have so many more numbers in there. I wanted to have all my bookkeeping and how much money I had in the bank, like at the beginning of every chapter, like just full open book accounting. But uh, Simon and Schuster also put, the, and I asked as if there's a Simon and there's a Schuster. There's about <laughs> 10 women who are editors who are lovely. They said, hey, Maria, maybe just keep it to one. (laughs) I mean, I'm never going to say no to a chart, a graph, or a number, but we listen to the experts, right? Sometimes we have to say, 
okay, if you're sure. <laughs> but those are the things that I love hearing about, like, and going through this book. You know, I talk to authors and I, I think there's sort of always a resonating theme of like, well, I just put myself out here on the page and then the experts tell me and then we go from there. And I think that so often that lends in a great book like this. I mean, really, it came together in a way that I was so excited for. I mean, as soon as I saw the cover, as soon as I saw the book, I thought, that's it. That's a book for me. And it was. I'm so glad. I love books and I love memoirs for sure, especially mental health memoirs. Those are my favorites. So I'm glad. I'm glad that um, you enjoyed mine. That really is. I'm going to fully take that in probably while I meditate later today. Perfect. I mean, so you are a big memoir reader. Do you have any like go-to authors or favorite books? I would love to hear the Maria Bamford recommendation list. For Schizophrenia, The Center Cannot Hold by Ellen Sachs, um, who is um, a law professor at USC. And she's just magnificent, really tells her story of, you know, how she came to be interested also in mental health law and how she still takes care of herself today. I believe she has, she goes to therapy five or six days a week, currently on medication, but she's able to be married hold her job, but, you know, definitely has, has it as a disability, you know, so, and that just a beautiful, beautifully written book. See, I enjoyed Madness by Maria Kornbacher, which is about experience with not only eating disorders, but bipolar one and uh, Marbles, which is a graphic um, novel by Ellen Forney. And so beautifully done. And she also has this um, sort of a guidebook of how to handle your bipolar symptoms in a graphic novel way. It's, it's called Rock Steady, that book. Those are the things I can recommend in this moment. I'm sure there are so many more. So just Google it, I tell you. Google it. And they will. And I'll put those books in the show notes for our listeners so that they can be sure to check those out as well. I think that so many of us who are writers and readers are ready to delve into these topics that are heavier and that have more weight behind them from addictions to mental health concerns. Do you find it ever challenging to balance writing those things or talking about those things with humor? Because I feel like it's such a delicate balance, I guess, is the only word I can think back and forth between making sure that everything is you're saying the things you want to say, how you want to say them. And this book is so, in my opinion, so respectful and so clear with its messaging. There's never any moments of like, I mean, I was cringing, but only because I was seeing myself in so many of the things. But this book is so tonally correct on, I think, what it's trying to say. Oh, that, well, that's, well, I'm glad. I'm glad. I mean, it's always so subjective what people find funny. So something that I find funny, maybe hurtful to someone else, and I hope that's not true. I love a teaching moment, especially when I'm the student. Uh, let me know if I, you know, uh, can learn something. I have, I have definitely been called out for things just because I was ignorant, you know. Yeah, I hope to keep learning, and, and I, I think that's one part of our, um, that's really about isolation is the canceling of people can like 
number one, canceling isn't real. You know, it isn't the fear of it is a lot different than what the reality is. And um, yeah, and there's ways of uh, communicating with each other when there are issues. Yeah, I know people who have had the courage to come either online um, and say, hey, this bothered me and here's why. Or saying in a not more in a all caps way, <laughs> but I appreciate that because that person's taking the time. So, yeah, I, there's no way of being perfect in the world, um, but I'm glad that it, it felt uh, even handed and helpful because I, I don't want in any way to seem. Um, you know, I've had friends and family die of suicide. You know, people have had attempts uh, in my family, and uh, it's it's very scary. So, in no way, want to say, "Oh, ha ha ha!" <laughs> no, and and I think that we have to. You know, there is the the sense of like, well, we have to be able to laugh at certain things, but there's also a lot of information in this book. You provide a lot of resources anywhere you can. And I know that in your career in general, that's very important to you is sort of breaking stigmas and providing information. I know you're working on a new sort of project, the No CD project that I have watched the, you know, the content you've put out so far for, and I have been in love. It's so good. Oh, I'm so good. Yeah, we have, we just have one episode left. So, <laughs> well, I mean, then, then I'll have to see if anybody's interested in me making more. But yeah, no, that's been very fun. And um, it's all very great for me because then I don't feel so alone, you know. So mm-hmm. it's very good. What was the thing that surprised you the most when you were writing um, your memoir? How hard it was. Like how I was just not willing to do it. And I am a person, I'm very open in terms of saying, I am, I don't want to say lazy, but I do want to say inert. <laughs> like, I prefer staying still. Like rather. a noble gas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The mobility, anything that's uncomfortable. But that said, once I get going, then I, I can get going. So, but I'm a huge fan of asking for help of like, I call a friend. I say, I'm going to write for five minutes, just five, five minutes. And I don't even, I can't even promise you that I'm going to write. I'm going to sit with this piece of paper for, for five minutes and five of it, I might be singing songs to myself, then call my friend back and say how it went. And just like to have a sense of humor about it. And, um, yeah, but that that was really surprising to me because I kind of I had a very big fantasy about writing books. Like I'd be like, I'd sit down at my large wooden kitchen table and the the, the birds and I never wake up uh, before 10, but the the early morning light would be and I could and I'd be a steaming cup of hot coffee and and the words would pour out of me. <laughs> it was more like 15 minutes at a time, me just uh, angrily uh, typing in uh, airports and coffee shops. Yes. Well, I'm glad that those airports and coffee shops happened. I'm glad that you stuck it out because we would be missing out on such a great book if you didn't. 
But I feel like that might kind of answer my next question, question, which was like, are, do you have more books in you or is this the only one? Uh, I, it was funny. Yeah, yeah. It is funny just because uh, I go, oh, I, I had another idea. Like as soon as I was done with it, I was like, oh, maybe I could do something about that. So, and my husband and I have a comic book coming out um, next year called Hog Book and Laser Eyes with Fantagraphics. And so we have that book together. So I don't know, maybe this whole author thing is a new situation. You've got your author glasses on. And I love bookstores. So I have so many bookstore t-shirts. I believe this, well, this is a museum t-shirt, but yeah, my husband's already in the art game. He's got that covered. So um, Maria Bamford author, I think is the next... Why not? Why not? No, I, I I would definitely. I'm I'm willing to do anything uh, as long as someone offer offers me money. That seems to be the main hurdle I have to get past. And like I said before, you you wrote a book. You are an author now, whether you like it or not. You did it. It's it's happening. I've I've read it, so it's real. It's yeah, and I did do an audio book too. That's a um, it's a how to you are you are a comedy special. So if you ever want to get yourself to do a comedy special, listen to that while I I try to write a comedy special at the same time. Uh, we do it together. What else could you ask for? I mean, that sounds like a dream. Right? I mean, yeah, most most of that book is saying, I don't want to do it either. But we <laughs> have to. If we want to have any Oreos tonight or take a nap, we have to do this. have to. And those Oreos are double stuff. If they had triple stuff Oreos, you could have one of those. Is there a triple stuff Oreo? What if you just say that your reward is that you get to take an entire package of Oreos and Frankenstein them together in whatever configuration you so choose? That's a fantastic. That's a fantastic idea. Build your own Oreo. B Y O B Y O B Y O. It's going to catch on. I think it will. There's only one thing that I love more than Oreos, and that's memoirs about mental health. Um, Nice. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but who is your perfect reader for this book? Who do you hope finds this book, not on the remainder's table, but on the bestseller table? Well, my mother, my mother, who is who are now in heaven. Um, I know that she's, well, she's reading it, or at least she's, she's handing it out. She's right. handing it out to all the saints and all of those in the Episcopal heaven, which is very different from the Jehovah Witnesses heaven. Okay. Episcopal heaven, pretty dense, lots of people over mil- millions. Jehovah Witness heaven, only 144,000, more of a suburb. That's the rules. I have one last question, mm-hmm. and I think it's very important. Yes. If I made a cult, would yes. you join it? Oh, yes. You don't even you don't need to know the yes. rules. Yes, of course. Okay. Yes. Perfect. No. Well, what I would want to do though okay. is immediately I want to go deep in. Like uh-huh. I would move in. I'd get a job in the kitchen. I'd get my head shaved, wear the outfit. Mm-hmm. One week. And then I'd pull out quick. Because I think that's the kind of oxytocin bounce you really need to feel 
feel you know get the 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 best effects of cult membership (laughs) perfect i can't wait i will get you a pamphlet on it that's the way i think i do all my best work is through pamphlet so i will get you one of those and it's gonna be amazing so maria bamford thank you so much for being with us today sure i'll join your cult is an incredible look at mental illness and hilarity and what it means to be a human being So I hope everyone picks it up and loves it just as much as I did. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jenna. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your beautiful words and time. Thank you. Hey, readers, it's time for another TBR Top Off. We're going to recommend a couple of great books to pick up when you stop in for your copy of Sure, I'll Join Your Cult by Maria Bamford. I'm Mark. I'm at my Barnes & Noble in Cincinnati, and I'm joined by one of my favorite book buddies, Jamie. Hello, Jamie. Hi, Mark. I'm Jamie. I'm coming from my Barnes & Noble in Leewood, Kansas. So I'm going to go ahead and let you kick this off. I know you are a huge Maria Bamford fan. I am as well, but I think you're kind of edging me out just slightly. I do love her. I could listen to her talk all day long, so getting to read and imagine her voice while you're reading is a real treat. So. Um, I have a a book I'm going to recommend. It's another comedian. uh, And I think a lot of readers will probably know him from his comedy specials, of course, but also as a contributor, a regular contributor to This American Life on NPR. And that is Mike Berbiglia. And I'm going to talk today specifically about his first book, which is called Sleepwalk With Me. Uh, He does have a newer book about being a dad called The New One, but I'm going to go back in time and talk about Sleepwalk With Me because I think it kind of ties into what Maria's talking about with being transparent about your health issues and finding some comedy there. And so Mike does what she does. He combines his comedy memoir with this vulnerability that comes from talking about those real life issues. And in this book, of course, he's sharing his kind of hilarious coming of age stories and some of his best comedy bits. But he's also talking about something really serious, which is his REM um, behavior disorder, where he physically acts out his dreams while he is asleep. So it's much more than sleepwalking. He's thrashing around, talking out loud, running outdoors, Um, basically performing all of the vivid or violent things that are normally happening in a dream. He's performing them in the real world. So this whole book is kind of building up to him talking about this problem that he's having. Mike refers to this as his little sleepwalking problem. And um, I found myself kind of nodding along as he described, you know, avoiding going to the doctor, procrastinating for way too long, explaining away all of his crazy symptoms and his sleep deprivation until Really, he just, something forces him. He cannot look away from the problems um, by the end of this book. And there is just mounting evidence that this is real and you're going to have to deal with it. At one point in the book, as Mike is kind of going through all of his stories, he says, to be a comedian, you have to be delusional. And I was tickled by that. But he says that's how you handle the judgment you feel kind of rolling off the audience when you're just bombing during a set. And so he's kind of use that skill and learn how to navigate new experiences without any hope of success sometimes, but still being able to just dive right in and go for it. And so the stories really run the gamut uh, from being in the seventh grade 
and coming to the shocking revelation that he would be making out with girls soon, <laughs> missing planes to learning to sleep, sitting up at his uh, temporary gig as a data entry employee, to moving in with his girlfriend while hiding that from his parents, to embarrassing himself by making ridiculous proclamations under anesthesia. He talks with such honesty. He shares exactly what he was thinking, no matter how ridiculous or embarrassing it was. And so the result is that it's just a, a truly a warm book. It's hilarious. It's so relatable. You'll be laughing and nodding along with every story. And I promise you will feel seen. Um, you're not alone. We're not alone. <laughs> know that whatever it is, no matter how crazy it sounds, it's okay to talk about it. And in fact, it may even be easier to talk about it on stage or in a book than it is with your parents. So the full title of the book is, again, um, Sleepwalk With Me and Other Painfully, Painfully True Stories by Mike Berbiglia. Mark, what have you uh, got for us? Such a good pick. I just recently re-listened to Mike Berbiglia's podcast interview with Maria Bamford and their back and forth is always so special. Yeah, love it. Nice choice. Well, I was thinking about books that just made me smile, made me laugh, but like like you have some heart attached to it. And so I thought about a book that came out recently called The World's Worst Assistant by Sonam Obsessian. Uh, you may know Sona as the infamous assistant to Conan O'Brien. It is a position she's held since 2009. And I say infamous, but maybe more famous because now she is a staple on Conan's podcast. She is sort of a right-hand person and really a presence um, when you think about Conan. Sona's kind of right there as well. The two essentially feel almost inseparable at this point. But here the in the book, Sona chronicles her journey to what I can only imagine is a very coveted position as an assistant to one of the greatest comedic minds. And let's be honest, probably one of the kindest people in the universe, despite her constant playful banter to the contrary. Um, she is often somebody who is very, we'll say insulting uh, towards Conan and to her job and self-deprecating to her own body of work and, and what she can provide. But most of it is in jest. She talks about previous jobs in the service industry, um, anywhere from fast food up through being an NBC page. And she just gives a refreshing perspective on worth, especially in an industry where the seemingly lowly employees are really seen as less than. Her human centipede analogy is very gross, but so absolutely perfect. But that is not to say that the title of the book is not accurate. She is not great at her job. I did pull a quote from the book that I pulled up on my phone, so I'm going to just read it out loud. The publicist for Late Night with Conan O'Brien texted Conan right before my job interview and told him I was a rock star. Last Monday, I failed to get a prescription refill of Conan's cholesterol medication because I was too busy binge-watching Schitt's Creek for the second time. So, she's not amazing at her job, but she's also pretty damn good at it. The book is fantastic. It's bits like these that talk to Sona's dwindling ambition in a job that in a lot of ways demands so much work. But the way that her ambition... It, initially feels like a dwindle is really just evolving into something beautiful. Her ambition, her personality just merge into something that is brilliant and inspiring. It's very honest and it is damn funny. Uh, so please check out The World's Worst Assistant by Sonam Obsessian. 
But that's all we have for today. Thanks okay. for tuning in. Oh, thank you. She's so funny. And she's somebody who, like, <laughs> similar to Mike and to Maria and Conan, let's, let's face it, that you just want to spend a small amount of time with just to glean some of that magic energy that they all create. But that is all we have for today. Thanks so much for tuning in to Port Over. Uh, please make sure to give us a rating and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on our socials at Barnes & Noble. Pretty simple. I'm Mark. You can follow my home store at BN Westchester. And I'm Jamie. You can follow my home store at BN Leewood KS. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Happy reading. Bye. Thank you for listening. Pour It Over is a Barnes & Noble production. To help other readers find us, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts.